0: Some notes on the Gothic genre. The Gothic genre of literature was very popular in the late 18th and early 19th centuries. The term Gothic was first applied to architecture, to cathedrals, abbeys, and castles of northern Europe, and the Gothic design appeals to the sublime, vastness, power, and obscurity as opposed to classical architectural designs that emphasize proportion, light, and reason. For British literature, most Gothic fiction, and more Gothic literature was in the form of novels, was produced during the period from 1764, beginning with Horace Walpole's The Castle of Otranto, with the subtitle A Gothic Story, through the 1820s, when the popularity diminished. Its peak in popularity occurred during the 1790s, particularly the novels of Anne Radcliffe, The Mysteries of Udolpho being the most famous, and her many imitators. The Mysteries of Udolpho was one of the Gothic novels satirized by Jane Austen in Northanger Abbey. Despite the use of the term Gothic in some of the subtitles, the genre was not really referred to as Gothic at the time, The novels were usually termed romances. The genre offended many critics. Even Wordsworth complained about frantic novels, sickly and stupid German tragedies, and deluges of idle and extravagant stories in verse in his preface to the lyrical ballads. This is somewhat ironic since Coleridge's Christabel fits that description very well. Some common Gothic elements, and as always, don't expect to find all of these conventions in every example. Some common Gothic elements include terror in the Burkean sense, or in some cases horror, supernatural elements. These may be explicitly supernatural, or they may only be perceived as supernatural, and later revealed to have a rational explanation. The so-called supernatural explained, a term applied to Anne Radcliffe's novels. Gothic fiction often has a setting somewhere in the past, though that past setting was more often vague and atmospheric rather than being historically precise, so there were often anachronisms. There is most often a setting in an old crumbling castle, or in some cases an abbey, with lots of secret passages. There is a villain. In many cases, these turn out to be second sons, that is, not able to inherit under primogeniture. There is a heroine, usually young and marriageable, imprisoned in the castle or otherwise in the power of the villain. Her imprisonment often involves a dispute over some matter of property, marriage, or inheritance. For example, she may be unwilling to marry the villain or to surrender property that she has some control over. There is usually a mystery or secret from the past that comes to light in the present. This is very often a past crime, such as murder and or usurpation of property or a title. This mystery or related mysteries often involve some question of identity particularly the heroines, such as Elena in Radcliffe's The Italian. Gothic stories often have framed or embedded stories, tales within tales, often in the form of a discovered manuscript. And anti-Catholic discourses are very common. Some of the novels were lurid and quite titillating. For example, Matthew Lewis's The Monk's title character Under the influence of a demon in the disguise of a human female, rapes and murders a young woman who, we are later shocked to discover, is actually his sister. Of course, he is punished quite horribly and graphically at the end of the novel, but this didn't appease critics very much. One of the concerns often expressed by critics was this sort of formulaic approach, and also the proliferation of gothic fiction. One of the more common examples of this criticism is an anonymous letter that was written to a journal in 1797. In this letter, the letter writer makes four complaints about Gothic novels. First, Gothic novels aren't realistic or morally edifying. Second, excess terror is bad for young minds. Three, there are just too many of these novels. And four, they're all formulaic. Note the recipe that the writer will provide at the end. So here's a passage from this letter. I allude, sir, principally to the great quantities of novels with which our circulating libraries are filled and our parlor tables covered, in which it has been the fashion to make terror the order of the day, by confining the heroes and heroines in old gloomy castles full of specters, apparitions, ghosts, and dead men's bones. This is now so common that a novelist blushes to bring about a marriage by ordinary means, but conducts the happy pair through long and dangerous galleries where the light burns blue, the thunder rattles, and the great window at the end present the hideous visage of a murdered man uttering piercing groans and developing shocking mysteries. If a curtain is withdrawn, there is a bleeding body behind it. If a chest is open, it contains a skeleton. If a noise is heard, somebody is receiving a deadly blow. And if a candle goes out, its place is sure to be supplied by a flash of lightning." Cold hands grasp us in the dark, statues are seen to move, and suits of armor walk off their pegs, while the wind whistles louder than one of Handel's choruses, and the still air is more melancholy than the dead march in Saul. And the writer goes on to complain about the way that women are depicted in novels, too. Quote, is the corporeal frame of the female sex so masculine and hardy that it must be softened down by the touch of dead bodies, clay-cold hands, and damp sweats? Can a young lady be taught nothing more necessary in life than to sleep in a dungeon with venomous reptiles, walk through a wood with assassins, and carry bloody daggers in their pockets instead of pincushions and needle books? End of quote. And then, the writer closes with a recipe that highlights the formulaic nature of much Gothic fiction. In the meantime, should any of your female readers be desirous of catching the season of terrors, she may compose two or three very pretty volumes from the following recipe. Take an old castle, half of it ruinous, A long gallery with a great many doors, some secret ones, three murdered bodies, quite fresh, as many skeletons in chests and presses, an old woman hanging by the neck with her throat cut, assassins and desperados, quantity sufficient, noise, whispers, and groans, three score at least, mix them together in the form of volumes to be taken at any of the watering places before going to bed and that was one reader's view in 1797 even after the popularity of the gothic as a genre began to wane its influence continued to be felt popular novels such as charles dickens's oliver twist from 1837 contain some elements that are associated with the gothic and the so-called sensation novels of the 1860s such as wilkie collins's the woman in white and Mary Elizabeth Braddon's Lady Audley's Secret, a genre that in turn influences the detective novel later in the century, were also heavily influenced by the Gothic.